They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. Today is going to be the day that we bring a podcast to you. By now, you should have had a chance to listen to an episode or two. I don't believe that anybody feels the way we do about us now. I don't think that anybody feels the way we feel about ourselves. We think Jim. very highly of ourselves. We think very highly of ourselves. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock, uh, the podcast where we exchange two pieces of life-changing advice squeezed into about half an hour or so. Yeah, and you know, this isn't one of the pieces of advice, but I know we're both doing the old keto diet. Keto. Keto. Yeah, this episode is going to be brought to you by eggs, <laughs> meat, and cheese. And fat. And lots and lots, lots of, fat. of fat. Fat bombs. I've been having my uh, bulletproof coffee in the morning with 42 grams of fat in it yeah yes. i take an entire cream cheese bar and oh, just whip that thing disgusting. up that's disgusting hey man whatever it takes whatever Listen. it takes because i refuse to work out yes. and uh, eat right like mom that's told right me. that's you know they pretty much said any diet works as long as you consume less calories than you know you're you're burning yeah but i like eggs and meat <laughs> and cheese, so it's the only diet I can be on. Sharp cheddar is my is my uh, cheese of choice. It I, is. I don't like those little. What are the little the laughing cow cheeses? Whatever. No, no. Yeah, I'm not. I, I need chunky cheese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like thin sliced cheese. Listen, friends. Thoughts that rock supports Cannonball Kids Cancer. You know that by now. You've been listening for a while. Um, you know, they, they are trying to get out there to find treatment options for kids who've run out of options. So please go to their website, check them out, cannibalkidscancer.org. We love them. Listen, we know how busy you are too. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your life and just, you know, stepping away and, and grabbing a little bit of leadership, wherever those nuggets can sort of come your way, they mm -hmm. are hard to come by. We totally get it. Mm -hmm. Which is why it doesn't really matter, I think, what you're doing right now. You might be waiting for church service to start. Oh. Or you're building a castle in Minecraft for your friends. <laughs> Nerds. Or you're imagining you're the guest today on our podcast. Never. It doesn't really matter. We are about to give you the 30 minutes that you've been looking forward to all week. So let's rock it out, Brian. Let's rock. Boom. Our awesome guest today is David Cantu, the co-founder and chief customer officer at Hot Schedules which is a restaurant technology company supporting over about 31,000 different businesses comprised of about 3 million users. I'm a huge fan of David. I've known him for a while. David, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you. Good to be here. Appreciate for, you having me. Yeah, for us too. We've been hoping to get you on the show pretty uh, pretty quick here. And thankfully, today's the day. And, and those that are in the uh, restaurant industry, they already know your brand. They know Hot Schedules. They know that uh, you guys help their businesses work smarter through your technology. And uh, I've just you know, been a great fan and friend of David, I think, from the time that he started the brand. But eventually, I was very happy to have him come into Hard Rock when I was running training and development there. 
And by the way, you can see all of David's uh, bio in the full show notes. We'll put all that stuff there. But I got to tell you, just between the two tools that I was introduced to, which is the online staff scheduling tool, that thing, and I think the digital manager log, that communication log, those two products alone made me fall madly in love with Hot Schedule. So I was a fan from the beginning. And I actually, as you know, David, I talk about Hot Schedules in my book, Culture That Rocks, because in addition to being an innovative tech company, you guys are an awesome internal culture. So again, we're just thrilled that we finally got you on the show. So thanks a lot for being here, buddy. I appreciate it, Jim and Brant. Thank you. No worries. So um, you probably know this already, David. We, we do things a little bit differently here at Thoughts at Rock. Instead of that traditional interview style, we like to jump right into the meat of some leadership advice. And so we're going to turn the floor open to you, brother. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. Thank you. My my thought that rocks is, you know, be the real you. The person you are at home is the person you should be at work. Love it. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean by that? You know, I, I I would say that, you know, just through through my journey and in, in working to where I've I've got to know people and, and you can almost tell when there's like a, a certain persona that they're trying to project and but and you you have this sense that it's not the real of them and then all of a sudden you're you're around them and their family and and that's where things start to all of a sudden click to where you actually see the real true person you know behind the suit or behind the tie and you know i i i would say that um you know that person at home is usually a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more caring hmm. a little bit more trusting and you know when you, when you don't really try and necessarily have to project some kind of persona that you know you're something that you're not People, you know, they can see that. And I just see that most people that are successful are the same person they are at home yeah. as, is, as they are in, at work. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think that, I could, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more that uh, it, it's a mindset, I think, right? And when you're at home, your mindset uh, shifts from from maybe what your responsibilities or duties are at work. When you're at home, you're the caregiver, you're the dad, you're the husband, you're the you know what, whatever role you're going to play under your own roof is is one that is uh, it just there's there's nothing attached to it, right? There's no there's not you're not trying to drive revenue, you're not trying to lower turnover, right. you're not trying to do any of those things. You're just um, you know, I, we spoke a little bit earlier before we even started here and, and you said something that really resonated with me, which was you really are coming from a position of love, which is uh, a completely different thought, I think, in the workplace as it is to being at home. Well, I, th- I think that level of, of, you know, I guess, compassion and care comes out. And, and when people see that, you know, there's, there's I guess there's a, a, a sense of care and trust back. And, and that in itself, when somebody's a little bit looser at work and, you know, they're, they're professional and they, they, um, you know, they're not necessarily trying to say, caller. you know, something that they wouldn't normally say at home. I, I, those things are so blatantly obvious. And I would say that, you know, just as I've worked, you know, whether it's, you know, here with different execs or whether I've worked with, you know, long-term customers that I have a new exec that comes in, yeah. you know, there's certain, you know, things that they say that they probably wouldn't say at home, that they probably wouldn't, you know, yeah. uh, you know, they would probably wouldn't act in front of their wife or their, their, you know, their, their child. Um, and I think that's where when somebody just 
is real and you can tell it. And when I say loose, I mean, I don't mean unprofessional. It's still professional, but it's not necessarily afraid what's going to come out of their mouth. Yeah. You know, they just, they're just natural. Yeah. And Brant, you actually talk about this quite a bit, you know, when you're talking about your values and your value orientation. And I think David, to your point, if you're secure in your values, if you know exactly what those are, then you can't help but be the same personally and professionally. You know, I think, again, Brant, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're talking about your values, that's not going to waffle. It's not going to change whether you're in a business or, or you know, a family setting, right? Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, the, the way that I try to describe it is it's broken into three parts, right? It's the what, why, and how. The what are those core values that, that they don't shift, they don't move the, the five or so values that we sort of live our lives around. The why is purpose, and the purpose is actually the activation of those values in your life to accomplish that, to choose what it is that you're going to focus on. But it's the how that you're referring to, and the how you express that, how those values show up every day, how they, the how is mission, right? So so in an organization, how you com- complete your mission changes all the time. And, and I think that that's sort of what you're talking about here. Your values and your why, your values and purpose, whether at home or at work, should be the same. But how you actually employ those two things will be very different at home as it is to at work. And that's just natural because you've got different responsibilities and you're trying to accomplish different things. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Dave? Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I think it's, you know... And maybe I just had the, you know, the, the, the benefit of having, you know, started hot schedules with Ray and just kind of naturally, you know, being, being the place that we would want to work at and then creating those values and being everything true to that of who we naturally were and felt and, you know, to be able to, you know, share those values with others and others to believe into that value set. I think that just, you know, I had that benefit. I didn't go from you know, one company to the next with that may have had different values. Now I've seen we've onboarded different people that have come from other businesses, sure. small, large. Um, and I would say that they bring in their own set of values and soon they're indoctrinated to, you know, when, when they start to get around, you know, a lot of the team members that have been here for a long time. And that's when, you know, there's self-policing going on. Um, and people start to, you know, really tell people, you know, what the values of the business are and how we, how we behave. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and that's apparent and they can have their own values, but it's got to be like-minded ultimately with the company values or to your point, they will vote each other off the Island, right? It doesn't have to be, absolutely. you know, leadership coming over the top and, and it's really apparent with you. I mean, my, my love affair with hot schedules runs deep and it's not just because of the one building that I probably in my mind thought a tech company would be in. You guys are spread out. You're international. You got multiple offices. And yet anybody that I've ever talked to that works internally with you screams and raves about how great the culture is. And it's apparent with all of your clients, your customers. And it's, it's just interesting. It just goes to prove here you are as a backend technology brand, but you, you have developed such a culture that people, you know, they wish they could have that in their own internal environment. And it starts with you and the, and the fact that you and Ray started this thing, it just sort of permeates through the whole brand. You can see it. You can feel it. I appreciate that. That, 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 that just makes me proud of you even saying that, but thank you. You know, it's, it's funny when I, when I think through, you know, as Jim said, uh, sort of people involuntarily voting people off the Island, uh, you know, the idea for me always is 
you know, t- I would say on, on an overall basis, we all share a few values together. Um, it's, it's rare that, that especially people you enjoy being with that you choose to spend your time with, um, there are always one or two core values that, that are in sync and it's the other values that people bring when you say, you you know, you bring people over from different organizations or you bring them from, from different companies who, who now join your culture. Um, that's really what makes it diverse you know, diversity of thought. Uh, it's, it's, it's a chance for people to really shine and bring their uniqueness to the table. Because if we were all, if we shared all the values together, then, then we're robots, right? It's, it's Stepford wise. We're, we're trying to find something that is unique that they can add to the culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I actually, when we started the business, uh, the, really the first hundred people we hired, um, I was just maniacal about they had to be from the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why is just because I, at least I, there was that sense of purpose of why we existed and why we were doing what we we did. Yep. You, you almost had to, you, you had to, at least I felt you had to have felt the pain. Yes. And it made you really buy into, you know, the, the business and everything we were about. You know, I learned, you know, valuable lessons from that. I mean, it's not just about being specific to you know the industry at that time or your skill set. Um, you know we've we've got some of our best team members come from outside of the industry. Yeah, they brought you know they brought a lot of value to the business. Have helped us scale and grow and be more successful. So you know I would say that was my that was my bias of they had to be from the restaurant. They're empathetic. They're hospitable. But the truth is. There's a lot of people out there, you know, that have that in their DNA. And, you know, I think those are the things that we started to learn and that those are the people that help others evolve from their experiences from other industries. Yeah. And I actually, I think it's amazing because sort of your, your idea of they needed to experience a little bit of the pain uh, to really understand what they're solving (laughs) with your product. Um, That's really all about empathy. And, and empathy is such a, a shared mindset that brings us close to each other and, and sort of tears down walls and, and gives an opportunity for people to truly collaborate with each other. If you're not sympathizing, you're not trying to imagine what it might be like. You are empathizing. You are putting yourselves in someone else's shoes and you are experiencing that pain with them. I think it was crucially a, a, an incredibly smart decision for you to sort of say they need to have that background because they had to have that empathy of, of what you were solving to really buy in to what the purpose of the organization was all about. Indeed. It, 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 it was, and it's made a difference. You know, I would say it's, it, it's built the foundation. It's evolved and it continues to evolve. And, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a lot of new team members um, as well uh, that we're getting to know and, and learn about. And it's, it's, it's actually been amazing. Uh, with a recent merger that just occurred. Yeah, and you can talk about that too. I, we are certainly talking a lot about uh, work, but I love because your thought is all about both the, that work life, your personal life, regardless, you want to be the same person. I go back again, Brant, to, to the work you do with values. And I think, you know, you were talking about the how. There, there's certainly something to be said about you know being nimble, being flexible, changing with the company's direction if you need to. But if the values are in place, especially if you're completely focused, let's say on the end user, on the customer, but also the world that we've lived in, 
is below the surface. It's the employees, the associates. You can get to them. You're more likely to get credit, whether it's in the form of internal or external results, more frequency, more word of mouth, customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction, whatever it is. But to take David's thought and say, listen, personally, if you, you know, you, you need to change some things every once in a while, but for the most part, if your values are secure and you're patient and you're kind and you're supportive and you're loving, the byproducts of trust and growth are going to be there. And so, you know, I can only imagine when two people come together, get married, it's sort of like this, um, you know, the merger that you're having with fourth now, everybody still, for the most part, have to be on the same value page or else it's going to be in a quandary. You're going to have to, you know, figure out a way. The how doesn't really matter. You can get past that, but the value orientation has to be the same, right? Is Have you, have you struggled with that at all? No, I, I wouldn't say that we've struggled that. I mean, I would say that the, the struggle is, is, is really understanding our vernacular. We, 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 we say we, our word choice is a little bit different. <laughs> so, it's it's a UK based business, um, but I, I would say that the the genuine care and um, the authenticity of the, the the teams that we're working with that we're on the same mission to you know support hourly team members as well as managers in the hospitality industry. Yep, I think that that same DNA is there and. You know, I, I it, it brings immediate trust that we're we're all on the same mission. Um, we're all focused on the same thing, and you know that has made it actually a really nice transition with this team. They have a lot of long tenured people that have been there and that are still motivated and uh, passionate about the business, just like we do on the hot schedule side. And uh, you know, I guess getting those teams together, it's it's actually been it's been really amazing to when you start to group people across the organization from customer care to, you know, engineers to product, everybody is just eager to share. And, you know, the, it's, 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 this should be a business case truthfully with the two, yeah. because I, I would say a lot of mergers fell yeah. because of the, you know, the, the, vast, the, the various cultures, Yeah, but these cultures are aligned and, you know, people as they continue to get to know each other, um, I, I I have no doubt that it'll continue to even, even evolve and improve. That's, but that's I think amazing. there's going to be a lot of learnings, you know, from you know the way that they you know support their their customers and the way we support our customers. I think we're going to get best practices from both sides. And I think that that we're both aware of that. Yeah, it's really uh, honestly, it's really the perfect transition to to this second thought that we have that really sort of expands on what you're having to deal with now with a merger and trying to find success when you're trying to put a couple pieces together that have never been together before. You know, our thought that rocks this week comes from actually from Alexander Graham Bell. And it's this. Thoughts that rock number two. Concentrate on all your thoughts upon the work at hand. The sun's rays do not burn until brought to a focus. And I think this sums up why a lot of mergers fail, right? Is that when you start merging two different cultures and there are so many bits and pieces that come along with that, if you don't bring it into a focus, 
um, nothing really happens, right? Everything, everybody's hot and bothered, but they're not getting anything done. And so you have, anything, yeah. you have to focus so that people have something to align themselves with. And my guess is that's what's made your merger so successful. It has. I would say that even so, with we we've we've had really a really great partnership with with Marlin Equity Partners and. Um, the way they brought these teams together, the way that we've strategized on how do we continue without distraction, you know, to be successful through 2019, providing as little disruption as possible uh, to our customers and to our team members. And then how do we have, you know, a, a team that would help integrate both companies, again, without taking away the focus that's, of the respective businesses that will have an impact on the, you know, the customer if we're not careful. I think that those, you know, some of those steps that we've taken early on have been done with a lot of care yeah, and have given certain people, you know, the, you know, the, the tasks that most people in a merger think that everybody has that responsibility. And that's where, you know, people start to become disoriented on what is it that they're supposed to do. Well, that's a, um, that's now, a real, I think everybody's eager for positive reasons. It's just, you know, it's, it's going back to, you know, what m- my mentor used to always say is first things first and second things never. Yeah. Right. And as long as people know what they're, what they're, it's a Stephen Covey thing. It right. Is. Right. right. So, <laughs> now that, that, and I use that a lot. I use that a lot for, for many different teams because it's clear to bring one thing into focus and go do it really well. And I would say that, you know, from the, very beginning with hot schedules, you know, we just did that. We just did scheduling. We evolved into labor. And that level of focus um, made it very, you know, simple and clear for everybody that was part of the organization to truly be best in class. Yeah. So here's the, here's the challenge that I see that, that, Especially, I mean, you've had a pretty unique experience dealing with private equity because because most of the private equity uh, um, mergers that I've been a part of or uh, have have sort of worked alongside of um, have a tendency to get a little bit messy, and that's because they're not doing what your first thought was. They're, you know, who you are at home and who you are at work as far as private equity is concerned is they, they could care less who you are at home. They care about yeah. you turning a profit so that they can sell this thing for the, the maximum that they possibly can. So how do you go about, you know, focusing into something that is both okay for, for your private equity partners, but in addition to that, still takes into account who you are at home and who you are at work trying to merge those two things as well. You know, I think it's courage. I mean, you know, when you have, when you have an imbalance between a focus on team members, customers, and and shareholders, um, is any business, um, it, it's, it is seen throughout the organization and it impacts everything when there's an imbalance. So, you know, I would say that it, it's whether you're a new executive into a company that is backed by private equity that has a mission to increase shareholders' wealth. You know, you have to have courage to be able to stand up and, and you know, you have to be, you have to not be in fear of losing your job for doing the right thing. Yeah. With that balance, it's going to have a, a longer lasting impact on, you know, your customer experience, your team member experience, and, you know, your overall, you know, growth or your margins. 
And, you know, I think that, that when you can do that with conviction and you have a team that's aligned and you have a CEO that is that also shares that level of courage, or if you are that CEO with that courage, but you still have a balance to where you still provide, you know, good, strong growth and good, strong margins, you know, those things can be overcome. Yeah. Now, if you are an, an executive that is just, you know, going to, you know, do everything you can solely to focus on the shareholders' wealth, you will you will lose people, you will lose revenue, and you know that's just a downward spiral. You know, it is. we're seeing the world change, and yeah. you know there are there are stronger leaders out there with more courage that have a focus on the three and not just on increasing shareholders' wealth. Yeah, never before. And actually, when you think about the way the restaurant industry was, if you go back into the 80s, and you and I both know a lot of executives back in those days that managed really to the P&L, and they managed the way that they could get it is muscling the result. You know, you could manage through threats and fear and punishment, and it's this way or else. And I think people are starting to figure it out. I I finally say a lot of times whenever I'm doing a session that the leader has the power to light up or extinguish the cultural flame of the brand, you know, and some that get it, they know how to light it up. And then there's the others that they just blow, they blow it out. And, and I used to teach this, um, this facilitation class on, on basically how to speak. And I used this interview that Bono did in a Rolling Stone article. And he used to say that he sees everything. He sees it when people aren't happy. He sees when people are arguing and fighting, when they're cold, when they've lost interest, when, you know, whatever it is, it bumps them out when they're not completely focused. And so he, for whatever reason, he tries to cater to those to try and win them back. Like that's sort of his goal because he wants to be more engaged. And I just always remember my dad, who is a policeman, this, this awareness, this focus on just making sure that everybody's happy, knowing you might not be able to always get there it makes you a good cop, a good teacher, a good trainer, a good executive. And I think if you can, you know, going back to the thought here, if you've got the courage, like you said, if you've got this concentrated focus, whether it's a manager talking to a guest or, you know, if you're performing on stage for a packed house or you're at home talking to your spouse, nothing is more important than the moment. So I kind of go back to your thought as well, tying the two together. You, you can be the same person you are at work and at home, but sometimes you've got to focus on the task at hand. And the task at hand is, who is my shareholder right now that I ought to be rocking their world? And if you just stick to your values, you're always going to win. Absolutely. And that, that balance going back to, you know, it's if I always think about it in the, in the decisions, not just the values, but, you know, am I doing this in the best interest of the customer, the team member? Because you could have customers that, aren't very kind to you and they may be your biggest customer aren't very kind to your team and you have to stick up for them. Yeah. Yep. Um, you can't just let them, you know, be, be taken advantage of or, or treated poorly. So when you, when you have the ability to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, set expectations, that level of courage and your team can see that it, it just resonates. They feel safe. They know that you're going to, you know, that they know you're going to protect them and it can go, with any one of those, you know, three pillars that you you focus on for the right reasons, everybody wins, and that's that's the balance um, yeah. that you know I would believe that successful people focused on long term growth and sustainability, not just short term gains. Yeah, yeah. Um, will manage in a successful business. 
Yeah. It's, I look at one of the challenges, even on the, on the back half of this, of the second thought of the sun's rays don't burn until they're brought into focus. You know, when the sun's rays aren't brought into focus, uh, some people love that. Mm-hmm. It, it's comfortable. Yeah. It, it's comfortable to bask out point. in the sun and just be there and catch some suns and enjoy their beach day. And, and when you bring things into focus, it gets uncomfortable. And, um, you know, especially forget about having to deal with anything like a merger, just bringing that level of focus into your everyday life uh, can be uncomfortable. But I think it works really well with you need to bring it into focus as to what's the most important thing in the present. And and when you do that, you can't lose, whether that's at home, whether that's at work. If, as you just said, Jim, if you are sort of uh, the trying to give the maximum return to the person in front of you at that moment, then you're in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to say all the time, if I was, if I was going to be on the floor when I was working in the restaurant, if I was talking to either a guest or a hard rocker, one of the team members, I don't care what was going on around me. The place could burn down there. You know, we could be Saturday night. We could be on a two hour wait. Something is going sideways. I don't care who runs up. If I'm engaged with somebody at that moment, they're all getting the hand. They're all getting stuffed for a moment until I'm finished with whoever. And I think you know, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit naive, but I think you get credit for that because you're so present, which we've talked about quite a bit on the show. So again, that goes all the way back to your value orientation, the stuff that you talk about. I think if you're secure in your values, personally and professionally, you can't lose. Yeah, it's true. Agreed. So, so David, this, um, I know you've just gone through this merger. That's a big deal. I guess you, you constantly have other products, other things that are probably in the hopper. Have you got something that you can share with everybody on, what hot schedules is working on next? So, you know, as, as we've, we've, over the past seven years, we, we worked on, with TPG to acquire a few businesses. So we brought in inventory learning management and, and everybody mem- remembers the manager's red book. Um, it's oh, still yeah. strong. It's still growing. I mean, print is alive where no matter what people says, <laughs> You know, there, it's something about writing things down. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're printing almost a million books. So those are the things that, that we've had. T- tell people, um, David, this, what, tell people what the red book is. If they're not in the industry, the, they won't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So back in the late eighties, this was a, a GM from a Chili's, uh, when Chili's started early on, a manager would walk in the door. They all, they always have five to six shifts, you know, a week, hopefully no more than five. Um, I just know that some people have six shifts and maybe I'd worked a few six shift weeks and they had to go and read what happened in the prior shifts. Um, if they ran out of a certain item, if they had a guest complaint or a slip and fall, things of that nature, or an employee was hired, all of those things were on the manager's red book by day. And they, you know, they were customizable by topics that they wanted managers to, to type in. Um, you know, we, that that book was we called it the the Bible. If yeah. it wasn't in the Bible, it didn't exist. Yeah. And um, you know, so that that book has um have has scaled and grown grown from restaurant tours that ended up building this book just to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. That we're in restaurants as opposed to just a regular notebook that somebody jotted a few lines down. So it kind of encouraged you to capture the you know emotions of the shift yeah and place them in that book so imagine brant literally every restaurant shift i would come in not only do i have to read the thing, sometimes it took 15 minutes to get through all the stuff that was the shift before either in the morning or at night then on top of that at the end of my shift no matter how late it was 
had to go and journal all this stuff again. And it was just, it's very helpful. It was, it was great to have that. But what hot schedules did is created not only an electronic format where anybody could do this anywhere, even the GM who could access it from his or her home, were able to see all this information and maybe make some decisions or make comments, whatever. It just, again, getting us into the 21st century, I bow to you because that thing, just that tool alone and that, that that staff scheduling tool are just, they, they were brilliant. So kudos to you. But what you're saying is print is still alive, at least for the red book. People still use that it, for sure. It, it is. It is. So that's, those are the, the you know, the, what we brought to the table for, um, what they brought to the table. They also did labor and inventory and we have, you know, labor and inventory, you know, that we support various countries. Um, you know, fourth is, you know, the, the dominant player in, in Europe. Um, you know, they, they started to, you know, move into the, the U S and we, you know, at one point we're starting to move into the UK. So having these two united labor and, and uh, inventory are, are the things that we share in our portfolio. And uh, But on top of that, they, they have um, ATS and onboarding and payroll and HR and PO services and recipe management and nutrition. And um, the, the thing that I'm super excited about is the analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, something to be able to tie language. all of these things together. Yeah, it's, you know... It, I've uh, while it's been 20 years and we've done some reporting and we pulled some data, um, this analytics piece is you know for me the the, the thing it's just the the product that I always wanted us to have in our portfolio. Um, not easy to do, but you know now we have that as part of the portfolio uh, between hot schedules and forth, and you know our customers are excited about it. Um, but the other aspects of it too, it's really made us if you think about it, if you think about a bundled solution. Um, everything focused on HRIS or human capital management and everything focused on back office. Yeah. Hmm. And that, that, you know, product set, that portfolio of solutions uh, allows us to, you know, provide more offerings to our customers who many of them, as, as you know, are trying to find ways to continue to consolidate and, you know, reduce the, the expense of having way too many systems. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. David, if people want to stay in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh gosh, I wish I could say I was a social media, um, you know, <laughs> guru, but <laughs> LinkedIn is the best way way to uh, to stay in touch with me. You know, I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and responding when people reach out to me. You know, I not that I can re- reach out to everybody, especially salespeople. I love salespeople. We have a lot of them, but you know, it, it, it's it's hard unless there's a, a specific need. But LinkedIn is the best way to to reach me. And if people want to look at uh, the company, I, I would assume you're still sending people to hotschedules.com, or is there now a new uh, website domain? Where where do we send people? Ah, uh-huh. yeah, we, well, both hotschedules.com and fourth.com. We are combining, and we are um, we are working on the the updated you know website. Okay. In addition to that, we are um, we're kicking off our, our our user conference called Spark. With hot schedules and fourth together, uh, November fifth, yep. sixth, and seventh here in Austin, Texas, and um, which we're excited to you know share the new branding and the portfolio of solutions as well as our our vision for the the companies coming together. So maybe what we'll do, depending on when this episode airs, um, we'll make sure that we get with you an update in the show notes, whatever that updated website is, so we can get people you know, that are interested in the product and, uh, and have them come to you directly. 
I appreciate that. Thank you. You got it, buddy. I don't know if you noticed, Brant, but um, you know, Dave said he's very proud of me. He didn't say anything at all. Someone's got to say that to him every now and then, or he, I know, I need some positive strokes from time to time. Upset. (laughs) Yes. I just wanted, as we walk out of here, Hey buddy, listen, thank you so much uh, for spending the time. I know you have a lot of stuff going on and uh, I'm thankful that we did it after the merger, not trying to squeeze us in the middle of all of it. But uh, you know, like I said, I, I, the brands that I put in the book are the ones that I really wanted to prop up and talk about their culture. And it wasn't their product. It wasn't, you were first to the market. It's because of the internal stuff that, that you and Ray have created. And Again, just huge kudos to you. And I've talked about you for a long time with Brant. I'm glad that, you know, we finally got you as a guest on Thoughts at Rock. So thanks for spending time with us, buddy. Hey, my pleasure. It's 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 been a pleasure, you know, working with both of you. And, you know, I'm I'm really proud of what you continue to do, Jim. You know, Brant, I look forward to meeting you in person sometime. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, are you in Orlando as well? I am. I am in Orlando. I'm, okay. I'm actually in, in the, just off of Orlando in, in Cocoa, a little closer to the coast. But um, yeah, we we are in the what we affectionately call the tinfoil studios here in, yes. uh, in Orlando. <laughs> but um, we are, uh, I would love to be able to catch up with you sometime for sure. All right. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. You got it. You'll take care. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Bye-bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.